Welcome back to Instant Analysis on the YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL. It is, it is time to try to catch our collective breath. This time after some more late game magic from the Alabama Crimson Tide at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Isaiah Bond bails the Crimson Tide out of Jordan-Hare this time. It was John Mechie. And Bryce Young a couple of years ago, this time around, Jalen Milrow on fourth and goal from the Auburn 31. And I don't know if it's the best Alabama win of my lifetime, given the competition. Give Auburn a lot of credit. Made it extremely difficult on Alabama. Absolutely played Alabama off of the Crimson Tide's feet. But in terms of thrilling wins... Uh, yeah, I don't think you're going to beat that one. Probably for me, the combination of thrilling and best Alabama wins in this series in my lifetime. Well, I think Van Tiffen, the kick in 1985, because it was a walk-off that was in Birmingham, though. When you consider this being on the road at a place that has been historically tough, not only on Alabama, but other programs as well. Yeah, you have to put it up there pretty high on the list. We'll get to your comments and questions and thoughts here in the comments coming up throughout the program. So if you want to jump on board, feel free to do just that. We actually had some folks that during the course of the game, beat the rush, got in here early. SK at halftime, just going to go ahead and say, Alabama looks like, well, at least he edited it, right? They don't even resemble the last three weeks. And I think that was kind of the shocking aspect. Although, you know, in the first quarter, it was pretty precision-like performance for the Alabama offense and really looked like it was right there on the cusp of a 14 to nothing lead. But when you talk about early scenarios in this game that loomed large, especially late, the holding call on what brought back Kendrick Law's touchdown that would have made it a 14 to nothing game, and then you had the shank punt by James Burnett. It was the absolute antithesis of complimentary football. And I know some people say, well, that was a makeup call because, you know, the refs missed the face mask uh, on Kendrick Law on the kickoff coverage. Well, as we saw in the replay, Kendrick was blocked in the back, which led to the initial flag on Auburn. Certainly, it should have been offsetting given the events that transpired after that block in the back. But, you know, I didn't think Kendrick Law even needed the block on that jet sweep. Now, Maybe he needed it to score, but again, that was a fourth down. So you're just trying to keep the drive alive at that point. So I think he's going to convert that, but they get C.J. Dupree with the hold. Alabama ends up having to punt. It goes off Burnip's foot when it looks like he's going to have an opportunity to keep Auburn backed up in the hole. Instead, Auburn gets the ball out around the 30-yard line, and then the defense for Alabama suddenly starts to go away. And it was more of a continuation of a year ago. And we talked about it all week, wrote about it from the start of the week, talked about it on these shows throughout the week. Now, Auburn ran for 318 yards in the game in Tuscaloosa last season. It's easy to sort of dismiss when Alabama wins that game by 22 points, but uh, it didn't seem to discourage Hugh Freeze and the Auburn offense from sticking to that with Jarquez Hunter. And it wasn't just, you know, Jarquez Hunter. Now you had the uh, backup running back, Austin, that came in, 10 carries for 85 yards. Uh, Peyton Thorne on some design runs hurt Alabama. I mean, time and time again, we see it. Quarterback draw 
on the outer edges of the red zone or maybe inside the 30. When teams go empty with a quarterback that can run a little bit, Peyton Thorne's a pretty good athlete. You know, it's not surprising that he had some success. But when they go empty, combo coverage, whatever Alabama's in, and you just leave the middle of the field wide open against pretty much an empty set, those quarterbacks are going to continue to hit that. And so that was problematic for Alabama. And then in some situations, you look at Auburn throwing the football, it wasn't very prolific, uh, but hit some third downs. I thought even some of the stuff that Chad Nuga did last week, and we kind of wrote it off as um, – kind of wrote it off as, well, Alabama's going to play as base as possible, you know, not going to do a whole lot, not going to bring pressure. Well, some of those same runs that Geno Appleberry hit for 100 yards total last week, uh, you kind of saw it again this week uh, for Auburn. And again, you saw it in last year's game. The perimeter runs were a real problem in Tuscaloosa last year. Quarterback keeps were a problem with Robbie Ashford last year. And we thought Alabama would see Robbie Ashford some in this game. That was the case, but it was more Peyton Thorne that was a problem. But give the defense credit uh, when it needed to get the job done, uh, it did. But as much as anything, give James Burnup and that punt coverage team a lot of credit too, right? He improved as the game went along. He was a little bit shaky there in the early stages. Uh, got a nice punt off there late. You get the turnover, the unexpected turnover there. Give Jihad Campbell a lot of credit for being right there to make the recovery. And then I don't know what to say about the sequence of events that transpired after that offensively. Um, forgettable and memorable for all time, simultaneous. I think those two things will go hand in hand because one of the things that's been problematic for this offense throughout the season, and it's never gotten totally fixed, is – the miscommunication of some kind between Seth McLaughlin and Jalen Milrow on snaps. And it looked very, very big. It looked like, well, here it is. Here is the misfire on the snap that is ultimately going to cost Alabama a game and a huge game when you talk about its college football playoff hopes. And still, Alabama is able to overcome a third and 20 to give itself a chance to, to have an opportunity to have the play that ultimately looked disastrous before Milrow on fourth and goal from the 31 after he ran for 19 yards on a third and 20. And then Alabama converts the fourth and a half yard. When I thought Jalen on that scramble, he could have pretty much just stepped out at the, 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 the line to gain there. Instead he stops and that gives, uh, that gives the Auburn defensive back a chance to make the big hit. And it was a hell of a collision there at about the, what, 10 and a half. Uh, but you're able to toss it out of kind of that tush-push formation. Uh, we saw a lot of the tush-push on Saturday, too. I didn't like the tush-push, by the way, coming off the goal line there in the first half. To me, that was a wasted play. I know a lot of people, even in that situation, they want the quarterback under center. That's fine, but run a play out of the out of the under center uh, instead of just kind of giving away a play there for a yard um, in that spot. But just uh, amazing what Isaiah Bond was able to do. And uh, Milrow converts the third and 20, gives Alabama a chance. Williams with the pickup there to get the first and goal. Then you had the disastrous snap. Uh, and then you're looking at another beyond the line of scrimmage throw from Jalen, his second of the game, loss of down back it up some more 
And boy, I, I don't know if you're Auburn, you're probably rethinking that for a long time in terms of bringing just two guys in the pass rush there on fourth and goal from the 31. Uh, but give Isaiah Bond a lot of credit, too. He kept working. He was working inside and then just went to the pylon. And you've got DJ James, one of the best corners in the SEC, on Isaiah Bond in that situation. And something that probably won't get talked about enough in the future is the fact that Jalen kept the throw on the field. When he's getting ready to throw that ball, my thought is just keep it on the field. Give somebody a chance. Because how many times do you see a play like that where a quarterback throws it out of the back of the end zone or out to the left and off the field of play? He put that ball on the back corner pylon where Isaiah Bond could go up and go get it, and that's what Isaiah did. So let's get to some comments. We can run through that fourth quarter. We'll also run through five predictions that I had for this game going back to uh, Friday, going back to yesterday. It seems like, what, 10 years ago? After that game, I also have the, uh, the four box up watching the other games right now. You've got Florida up on Florida State, seven to nothing, Clemson and South Carolina as well. I know Georgia, Georgia Tech is transpiring uh, as we talk. But among those five predictions on Friday, well, one of them, Auburn will not have a pair of 100-yard rushers because the Tigers had that a year ago in Jarquez Hunter and Robbie Ashford. And while Auburn did not have a pair of 100-yard rushers in this game on Saturday, it did have three guys with 57 yards or more and piling up 244 rushing yards in the game. Say this for Alabama. I thought the second half, Alabama was a lot better against the run. I think Auburn had 66 rushing yards uh, in the second half, uh, but 244 for the game. Peyton Thorne only threw 16 passes, but he did carry it 15 times. And I'm going to guess on a few of those dropbacks uh, a few of those rushing attempts were dropbacks and so uh, Alabama just not good enough against the run and you know I wondered throughout the week was there an area of this Auburn team that had an edge even on Alabama and I think what we saw Saturday were was the backs and the quarterback in the run game had a pretty good edge on Alabama's linebackers and Jihad Campbell you know, he had a couple of missteps of his own. There were misfits. There were problems against the run. There was safety support at times that was lacking. But Jihad Campbell, I want to say after that second Auburn series, Trez Marshall was in there, as I recall, on that second Auburn series. After that, it seemed like it was pretty much Jihad Campbell the rest of the game. And again, he wasn't perfect. And I thought Deontay Lawson coming back from his latest injury, that wasn't a great sort of approach to go against for him, perimeter runs, quarterback keeps, those type of things. You give Deontay all the credit in the world for gutting it out, uh, but it was a problem for him as well. But uh, we'll get to this next prediction also here, one of the five from Friday. I uh, I had Alabama not going without a sack for back-to-back contest, and uh, Alabama was able to get home on Peyton Thorne four times and you think about when those occurred uh, especially late when all when Alabama went ahead and you know Alabama was able to kind of just pin its ears back there late in the game you saw Braswell and Turner do their things uh, Deontay had a sack in the game Dallas had a sack Justin Aboigby had a sack Chris Braswell had a sack so 
sort of the the usual suspects when it comes to sacks and tackles for loss. Um, that's where that came from for Alabama. And also, uh, you think about Terry and Arnold again in the kind of game he played on Saturday. Uh, just a high level of football. Uh, Alabama, I think, though, on the back end, you get motion working against them or motion to stack. Uh, just a couple of busts in the passing game, too. Not that Auburn threw for a ton of yards, but it seemed like when they needed it, they were able to do some pretty good things. Arnold comes up with the interception there on the last play to seal it. Thought he might have scored, but uh, they went back, I guess, and figured out that uh, that that did not happen. He went out of bounds at the Auburn three. So we'll get into some more of those predictions as we move throughout the program. But we certainly also want to get into your comments. And uh, again, some of these were in-game. Gary Falden, this defense is soft, slow, and lacks the passion to play hard. What a disappointing performance. You know, I didn't think it was an effort problem. It just seemed like uh, the fits weren't good. I don't know. I really don't know what to attribute it to. Some angles that were taken, some technique against uh, some of the run plays, backers trying to duck under stuff, not getting over the top. Uh, that was some of that. And then just some some missed tackles from the safety position as well. I didn't think it was an effort problem, though. Luke Buckley, I think I died a little bit at least twice during this game. Expect the unexpected. Love the show. Can't wait to hear the report. Thank you, Luke, for checking us out here at, uh, at an instant analysis. Perfect play on the pitch out of the sneak. Shout out to Tommy Reese. Yeah, Luke Fleischer checking in with that one. That was... When Alabama had the half yard to convert to get the first and goal situation that turned into fourth and goal from the 31, but absolutely, you knew Auburn was going to be piling up on, you know, those B gaps and A gaps when it came to the, the tush push or the tide ride or whatever Alabama calls it. Uh, so to have something else in the playbook to be able to get wide to Roydell and Roydell's the guy right now. If I need a yard in this offense, Roydell's the guy because he is running to his size and he's running with power and he's running with decisiveness. He is that dude and good for him. He was huge in this game, not only on offense, but again, what he brings to special teams. But, you know, that play was a little harrowing as it unfolded too because Auburn was bringing it off the edge. And I think Oots maybe came across and got just enough or forced that event defender wide enough that Roydell was able to make a cut and then he was going to be able to finish it and get that first down. But they do have some different things out of that uh, out of that formation. Text Tider, howdy boys. He's checking in. Um, yeah, Roll Tide 66 asking about Terry and Arnold's pick six. Uh, it looks like based on the uh, stat broadcast feed, the play-by-play, -play, the official play-by-play uh, -play feed uh, on the stats, Roll Tide 66, says that uh, Tarion was out at the Auburn three. Yeah, our boy D. Sanders is confirming that for us as well. Uh, SK checking back in. Either Bama was putting in the Georgia game plan last week or this is starting to look like the WWF and they're getting loose on the scripts acting because this game shouldn't have been tight. It certainly had a chance to not be tight when Law's touchdown came back. That would have given Alabama 
that 14 to nothing lead. And that would have been big because at that point, maybe Auburn feels like, you know, we can't be as patient with this, with this run game. But when you combine that score coming off the board, and then you also think about uh, the shank punt that gave Auburn some breathing room instead of being backed up inside its own 10, it was able to go to the run. Really, I thought the worst thing Auburn did offensively all night was come out and try to throw three straight passes on its opening series. They should have been running outside zone and outside power and uh, counter and everything else towards the perimeter um, throughout the game. Dalton Rouser checking in. It was a rivalry game. Uh, Guys, OFC, Auburn would play as well as they did. Yeah, you know, I picked Alabama by 22 points. I'll be the first to tell you. And it is a rivalry game. Uh, But Nick Saban said it again after the game. Usually the best team wins this game. And that is typically the case. I mean, and he pointed out too, and I've said it for years since the kick six, 10 years ago. Everybody talks about the kick six, but Alabama had opportunities to put that game away a couple of three times in the second half. Never should have come down to the kick six, Um, but it happened. And, uh, you know, whatever you think of Auburn, when Alabama has lost these games down on the plane, 2007, Auburn was better than Alabama. Um, 2013, eh, that's one where you could say Alabama was the better team. But I will also add that Auburn wasn't a bad team in 2013. It's not like Auburn was terrible. You know, that's why I think this loss, had it happened for Alabama, would have been among the very worst Iron Bowl losses of my lifetime from the Alabama perspective. Because frankly, this isn't a very good to good Auburn football team. That's why it would have been as uh, disappointing from the Alabama side of things. And I get it. I respect the rivalry angle and all that. But uh, look, this, you know, this isn't a good Auburn team. It doesn't mean you're not very appreciative of each and every win you get over the Tigers because you are. You know, this series, what, Alabama's up 12, 13 games in it now. It's been pretty tight throughout the years. So you want to... uh, you went to win, and you will celebrate every win, especially road wins, and especially a fourth straight win over Auburn in this series because that's the first time that's happened for Alabama under Nick Saban. Yeah, might be hard to believe, but uh, there you go. No, uh, SK checking back in. No spy on the quarterback, no five-man fronts. Auburn can't pass. The offense was vanilla. Several players were not giving 100% effort. I didn't see it. Uh, is again uh, just a, a lackadaisical. I, I I think the coaching staff has to eat some of that too, especially on defense. I mean, these were to me, in terms of concepts, these weren't uh, innovative, game-changing runs. I thought what Auburn did do well was that it picked up the tempo. But even with that, and I know people will make a thing of that and perhaps they did during the game, that, well, Auburn's going up-tempo. They're not letting Alabama sub. The thing was, Alabama really didn't get out of its heavy nickel much. You know, usually it goes the other way. You want to get out of your big nickel to get into something lighter that puts more speed on the field, especially in pass rush situations. But Auburn wasn't worried about that. It's not like Auburn consistently caught the Alabama defense with Braswell and Turner on the field together. I mean, there was plenty of 
a Boyby, Tim Smith, Tim Keenan, um, Jaheim Otis was out there a good bit. Damon Payne was out there a good bit. So I thought the personnel that Alabama had out there was fine because throughout the season, as we have talked about, against running back runs from its big nickel, it has been fine against the Jalen Wrights and the Ray Davises um, and the Quinshawn Judkins and those guys. But the last two weeks gave up 100 to an FCS back last week. And a 40-yard touchdown run was a part of that. So the explosive runs, if you're worried about what Georgia saw from this tape, uh, I, I would start there. And then before you can even think about Brock Bowers, and I understand this Georgia team doesn't have a DeAndre Swift or a Nick Chubb or that type of guy, but it has an offensive line a lot better than Auburn's and tight ends who can block as effectively as Auburn's did on Alabama's linebackers throughout the game tonight. And so that's the biggest problem. You got to get, you got to get Georgia in a situation where it has to throw the ball because if Georgia can get through the game next Saturday, with just 16, 18, 20 passes, they're going to do that. That's absolutely what they're going to do. You got to get Carson back, back in a situation where he not only has to throw it, he has to throw it on third and eight. And he has to hold the football a little bit to give things time to develop because Georgia will run the ball and quick game you to death. You know, the end of round that Auburn scored on Saturday down at Jordan Hare to Javarius Johnson, it, you know, they got one of those too, whether it's Lad McConkey, whether it's Brock Bowers. So there's a lot of areas where this Alabama defense um, has to be, has to be better. Lumpy Diz checking in. It's clear Lawson has not fully recovered from injury. Yeah, I mean, the thing about it is you can be cleared to play, but that doesn't mean you're fully back to your previous level of effectiveness. And it's not just a physical thing either. When you miss a couple of games, that means you miss a couple of weeks of practice. And then you also start thinking, well, how much was he able to practice this week? Nick made it sound like he and Jalen Key were able to pretty much go. I didn't think either really looked like uh, either of those guys were were back to that point. Uh, let's get into some other stuff here. William Harrison, he's got perspective for you here on instant analysis. He says, roll tide. I'll take an ugly win over a loss any day of the week. Thanks, as always, for the great coverage. No, William, thank you. Thank you. Paul Witt concurring with the previous statement. Uh, of good to have, glad to have Lawson back, but he didn't look healthy. That's a tough position to play, man, when you're trying to play sideline to sideline like he is. And that's why I kind of asked the question late in the week on Thursday Night Tide when I was talking with Jimmy and Clint was given Deontay's coming back from an injury, a lower extremity injury, at least one, at least one injury. When you go dime in this game, do you still use him as the Mac, as the lone inside linebacker on the field, or do you think you go with uh, you go with Jihad in that role? But yeah, Paul, I, I think everybody would agree with you. Um, Paul also talks about something I wanted to get into. Haven't seen the defensive backs have this much miscommunication in a while, especially against a pretty basic passing team. I agree, except for one thing. To miscommunicate means you communicated. I'm not sure these guys communicate at all at times. 
in terms of, especially when motion starts getting involved and maybe you're going to pass some guys off or you're trading some guys or some things like that, because that's what you saw on the easy touchdown to, I guess it was Johnson, right? On the, like a switch release that Auburn motioned into and Malachi basically just squatted or basically helped uh, on the other receiver and Johnson's just running free down the field. I don't, to miscommunicate again, I think you have to communicate. I don't know how much they actually communicate or if it's enough. It's a lot like playing screen and roll a lot of times in basketball for those poor guys. I mean, if you're in man-to-man especially, or that's what you're playing after the snap, you you better be able to talk on screens, on motion in football, and it's harder probably in football because it certainly was noisy, I'm sure, at uh, – Jordan-Hare Stadium. So back to some five predictions as we let you jump into the comments here. Um, Another prediction, the Crimson Tide will run for no fewer than two scores in the game. You know, see, I've even got to check on some of these after a game like that. I'm not entirely sure. Roydell had the two-yarder. That was a nice sequence, I thought, for Alabama in the red zone where it got physical down there. Um, And... Unfortunately for Alabama, it was the return of the red zone field goal, too. Will had a 32-yarder. Will had a 22-yarder. Um, and then Will missed again. And Will now has three misses on the season. They're all wide right. And that felt really, really big, right? Of Will Reichard's misses at Alabama, even compared to the 50-yarder at Tennessee last season, in hindsight, the one he missed tonight would have been as uh, destructive to Alabama's chances of winning a game than maybe any of the few he's had over the last couple of three seasons. But, you know, it's a 24-20 game after you recover the punt muff. And if you only need three there because he makes the 42, and I know you put a lot on Will. You expect him to be perfect. But, again, you could also say, the Alabama offense um, came up short on those other two red zone field goals. Alabama had the long streak, 17, 18 straight, uh, 19 straight possessions inside the red zone with touchdowns. That came to an end, but still surprising to see Will miss. I watched it back and looked like the operation was fine. Uh, Neil Hibbett with the snap. There was no, no issue with the placement. Looked clean from James Burnup. And again, just seems like Will's miss right now is out to the right. Um, so when we talk about touchdown runs, we usually equate that to uh, to red zone. And that's, again, where Alabama came up short because Roydell had the one red zone touchdown run and then Alabama had tw- uh, two red zone field goals. That's a ratio you don't typically like, right? You, you don't really You don't really want that. That ratio. Another prediction from Friday for this football game. Auburn will have fewer than three completions of 20 yards or more. As I wrote on Friday, Auburn came into the game on Saturday in SEC play, seven SEC games. Auburn had a whopping 12 completions of of 20 yards or more. That's it. Less than two a game. So let's look at it and see what the Tigers were able to produce in this one. Auburn, pass plays of 20 yards or more. 
third, well, nope, wrong team, wrong team. Let me correct this. Stand by, stand by. I've always wanted to say that on a live broadcast. Stand by. Okay, home team. It works better that way. Um, pass plays of 20 yards or more. I had two. Uh, the 37-yarder to Javarius Johnson uh, on a kind of, what, RPO slant, middle of the field a couple times, just wide open. You know, that's the thing, too, um, about – if Alabama brings pressure and I'll go back through and watch this on second watch for tomorrow, but uh, that's kind of where you leave yourself vulnerable uh, with man coverage and just some of the, the combo coverages that Alabama plays. But uh, also Johnson had a 27 yarder there in the third quarter. So we talked about this last week too. If there was a guy in terms of explosive play potential at the receiver position, for Auburn that could do some damage in this game, it was Javarius Johnson, and he did have those two catches that Auburn produced of 20 yards or more. All right, what else do we have? SK checking back in. I think Milrow can get five to 10 yards on every pass play with his legs, like the LSU game. Be decisive. He chooses to sit in the pocket too long. Uh, many times, we got to have the LSU version next week. I won't disagree with that. I thought there were times in the game uh, in this one, and I think Nick said it post game too. You know, when it's there, go, go get it. Um, you know, there was a first and ten run in the fourth quarter to start a possession, and it looked like he had four or five yards. It, it wasn't going to be an explosive run, um, but he kind of just kept drifting to the sideline, and and it was covered up. It was off of that sort of zone read action where the leak, the the flat receiver coming across the formation and bring the tight end out into that flat. Auburn had it covered up. But for a guy 220 pounds in the fourth quarter, he had four or five yards, and he didn't go get it. I, you know, Jalen's still a work in progress, man. I mean, the, the two times he's beyond the line of scrimmage and he throws passes, that kind of tells you um, there's still a lot of work for him to do. But this is the thing about Jalen Milrow. He obviously doesn't listen to the noise. And he obviously doesn't think any situation's too big for him uh, because you don't make a throw like he made. And I, I get it. God smiled on Alabama uh, on fourth and goal from the 31. But as I said earlier, that ball was absolutely where it had to be. And Vaughn, I guess you could say, bailed Alabama out of this one. Um and is this also now the new punt Bama punt game because of the uh, the botch punt? Probably not. Probably not. Um, Paul Witt checking back in. Tarion set a record that will never be broken. That's a good point. He ended both halves with an interception. He absolutely did. He got uh, a couple of desperation throws. Again, though, man, Tarion, as far as all-around defensive football, he just continues uh, to play at a at a really high level. He's physical. He can cover. He's competitive. He's smart. Uh, just really, really good stuff continuously um, for uh, Terry and Arnold. David Labovitz checking in here. Milro to sneak into the Heisman discussion. If he has a big game next week, maybe trip to New York. You know, he had a Heisman moment. 
I don't know if it was a Heisman performance for Jalen, but he damn sure had a Heisman moment there at the end. You know, isn't this some kind of anniversary for the Flutie game at Miami too? I mean, that was some Flutie-ish right there um, to Phelan. Remember that? If you're old enough? Yeah, I'm an old fart. I'm so old, I made the comparison on Twitter to Reggie Slack throwing the touchdown pass to beat Florida in the other end zone in 1989. And I only remember that because I pulled a twofer on that Saturday back in 1989. I saw Alabama, Mississippi state in Birmingham in that late morning kickoff. And then I got down to Auburn for that primetime kick and uh, saw slack. Who was that? Was that Shane Wasden in the corner? Oof. Some of the names that come to mind from the past, you know, I can't remember when I get to the grocery store anymore, what the wife asked me to pick up when she sent me there, but I can kind of remember stuff like that. We hope you'll remember to hang out with us at BamaOnline.com. How could you forget that? We've got this uh, YouTube special right now for new BOL subscribers only. When you go to sign up for BamaOnline.com, enter the code UA1 and you will get two months of BOL for just $1. It's the YouTube special exclusive to our YouTube viewers. Want to thank you for tuning in with us. Uh, big week coming up. Big, big week coming up with the Georgia Bulldogs. Kind of feels like two years ago, doesn't it? Alabama with a sort of miraculous finish to get out of Auburn uh, in 2021. And I think bar, uh, depending on what Georgia does tonight against Georgia Tech, if Georgia rolls uh, I don't know how many people learned from two years ago that it might not be wise to just totally count out Alabama. Um, but there could be some of that narrative this week. And look, Georgia's hell of a football team, man. Playing at a high level, playing at a level that Alabama was before um, Saturday. And look, you can talk about the competition Alabama had faced over the back end of the season uh, but Kentucky looked pretty good on the road, didn't it? Getting that win over a 10-1 and Louisville team, a top-10 team in a rivalry game on the road. Uh, it shouldn't hurt Alabama too much after plastering the Cats up there in uh, in Lexington a couple weeks ago. But it, the challenge is going to be huge. These two football teams are built in a very, very similar fashion, and it starts up front. So we're going to talk about Brock Bowers. We're going to talk about Jalen Milrow and his dynamic abilities. Um, you know, we'll talk about Jermaine Burton. This is uh, Jermaine Burton going against his old team coming up. You know, he didn't do that. He went against Alabama twice a couple of years ago in 2021. So there'll be that part of the storyline as well. Uh, there'll be the Saban versus Georgia. Storyline, been a dominant run for Nick Saban over the Georgia Bulldogs, especially in the state of Georgia. You want to talk about heartbreak and what a guy has done to one particular program. Think about what Nick Saban and Alabama have done to the dogs, especially in games contested in the state of Georgia, whether it's Athens, whether it's Atlanta, whether it's the regular season, whether it's the SEC championship game, whether it's the national championship game to cap the 2017 season. Yeah. That's all going to be a part of it. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You even got the Carson Beck storyline. He was committed to Alabama at one point before switching to the Georgia Bulldogs. Marcus Cartrell 
he's enjoying it. He's got perspective. What an amazing win. Remember that Auburn played UGA very close as well. It's a good point. Now, that was earlier in the season. And, you know, I kind of poo-pooed that Auburn three-game win streak here in the last month because it did come to teams, as we sort of predicted, going into this weekend in Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and also um, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt and Arkansas that were combined two and 19 coming into this weekend. Well, all three lost and talking to SEC play, that was their combined record. And so they finished the season together two and 22. You know, Vanderbilt didn't win a conference game. The other two won one game apiece. but every week's different, right? Yep. Maybe I should have listened to myself, right? When it comes to this one, because a lot of that is going to be what we hear about Georgia and Alabama next week. Although, with Alabama and Georgia, there is a lot more of a recent documented history, really throughout history, but especially Nick Saban, Alabama, of success. And I think in some ways it's going to be, it might be the latest version, the remix of 2012. I mean, if the committee's really going to leave the SEC out, if Alabama wins this game against Georgia next Saturday, really? It could be a national championship type game, especially for the Georgia Bulldogs, similar to 2012. That was the national championship game in Atlanta. Still one of the best games. Um, one of the best games I've ever seen in person was that game. C.J. Mosley with the uh, with the deflection. And I uh, was at Chris Conley, caught it inbounds. Clock runs out. Again, man, when you talk heartbreak, man, uh, it's brutal. Mr. Cannon checking in here. Milrow to Bond, Isaiah Bond, 007. Maybe instead of 007, 017. You know, get that 17 in there somehow, Mr. Cannon. I'm trying to come up with some NIL opportunities. I think uh, I think Isaiah will get taken care of. What about you guys? You think Isaiah will be okay on the NIL front and Jalen, uh, especially after that one? That was a uh, That was kind of a Daniel Moore moment. No doubt about that. Well, as always, we appreciate you joining us right here on Instant Analysis. Again, try to catch your breath. Get something to eat. Watch the late games. Do it with the comfort of knowing that the Alabama Crimson Tide, for the fourth straight year, has won the Iron Bowl. Wasn't easy, was it? Wasn't easy to watch. Yeah, a lot easier to talk about, though after Jalen Milrow to Isaiah Vaughn. Hang out with us at BamaOnline.com. Come post up at the roundtable with us. We're going to continue to have coverage from Auburn. Charlie Potter, our senior team writer, so good at what he does. You'll hear from Clint Lamb. You'll be hearing from Jimmy Stein. You'll be hearing from myself. We'll have Second Watch for you. Boy, Second Watch uh, survived a scare there at the end of that one today or during that game. How many people are going to watch Second Watch without that play? From Milro to Bond. Oof. That would have been a tough one. Might be a little tough anyway, but at least it has a happy ending now. Um, we'll do all that for you at BamaOnline.com. Once again, until next time, so long, everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.